Hi, fellow history enthusiasts, and welcome to the Detecting History podcast about all things buried and ancient. My name is Katie McDoyle. Together, we'll be diving deep into the past every week as we bring you history, metal detecting, mudlarking, and fossil hunting news, alongside some fantastic expert interviews. So whether you're a seasoned expert or a fellow beginner like myself, we're going to explore it all together. first episode, I was so lucky to be able to have a chat with Lucas, aka The Grim Leaper, who you will have seen on YouTube if you're a metal detecting or history enthusiast. And if you haven't, I encourage you to go and seek his videos out. Grim was such a lovely person to interview and find out more about his warmth and real passion for the hobby and everything it can do for a person in terms of physical and mental health really shines through. Plus, he's got some rather interesting tales of his best finds and rather odd finds too. So please enjoy the interview with the Grim Bleeper. Right. The things we do. Mm. <laughs> well, nice to meet you. How do I? How should I refer to yourselves, Lucas, Grim Bleeper, Mister Grim, Mister Bleeper? Lucas or Grim is fine by me. Everyone in the hobby calls me Grim, so. Yeah, I have as well. I've watched your videos for a couple of years now. So when I refer to you and I say, "Oh, Grim's got a new video," this is exactly what I say as well. I'm really pleased that you've agreed to come on. So thank you so no much. No worries. How are you doing, by the way? You're, uh, you've had your arm injury recently. How are you, how is all that going? Yeah, from skateboarding. Um, I went. I've been out the last two days. Actually, I've been out digging pretty much all days as well, um, and it's been absolutely fine. Only want to bear weight on it now, or like you like. I don't do push-ups because that's exercise. But say you're in a push-up <laughs> position, it would. Um, yeah, it definitely puts strain on it when I put weight on it. But other than that, it's, it's, smart bit. it's pretty much healed now. Yeah. Oh, well done, you. Well done, you. Well, I'm glad you're on the mend anyway and back out, especially with the harvest happening and everything. We're all like itching to get out. Luckily, where I live, my permission, that's all um, set off in earnest now. So I've got a few fields I can get on, which is nice, but bloody stubble. Now you need a bit of rain to soften up the stubble, don't you? So you're not like tearing at your ankles as you go around. But the few fields I've been on, the stubble's been quite short. So it's not been too bad. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. You just need that rain to. Weather the stubble a bit. So I'm going to spit some facts at you, Grimmy. Uh, so you might know him as the Grim Bleeper. You might know him from his YouTube channel of the same name, which has had over 9,000 subscribers and over 1.4 million views. Um, it's possible you might be down with the kids and know him from TikTok, where he has over 31,000 followers and nearly 200k likes. Or you might know him from a field near you. Here is the man, the myth, the legend... <laughs> Lucas Merriman, aka the Grim Bleeper. So, welcome, Grim. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. I've actually just come back in from digging. So, it's uh, nice. yeah. I haven't edited that video yet, so it is coming soon. Uh, premiering on YouTube soon. I did find my one of my first today in ten years. <gasps> Exciting! Can't wait to watch that. That's cool. Excellent. I was actually out. Two days ago, and I found my first um, Henry VIII silvered hammer. So I was like, yes, excellent. You're very lucky. I've only ever found one of them in 10 years. Really? Wow. Henry VIII hammer. 
Yeah. It was a full throat as well, so I was happy with it. A bit of a chip on it, but uh, that wasn't Ooh. me. But yeah, nice, really nice. That feeling when you find when mm-hmm. when you find or when you see that glint and you're like, is it a button? Is it a ring pull? What's it going to be? So uh, yeah, I was well impressed. Mm-hmm. So by way of introduction for our listeners um, who might not have seen you on YouTube or TikTok. Uh, how long have you been detecting for? I've seen one of your first YouTube videos was from around 2017. Were you detecting before that, or is that just when you started your YouTube channel? I've been metal detecting for about 10 years. I've only been doing YouTube since 2017. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things I enjoyed making videos. I used to make videos of my dog before I did metal detecting videos. Um, so I kind of been, something I enjoy doing. Um, so I kind of put yeah. the hobby I, I really love back into videos for people to watch. It's just, I thought, and not only that, it's almost like a little diary for myself. So then I can sit back mm. and go back to like my favorite finds and I can rewatch and actually see whereabouts it was and, you know, weather conditions. So it's almost like a, a running diary as well on my own adventures, metal detecting for my, for myself as well as the subscribers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so much effort, isn't it, when you're doing the videos as well? I think people don't appreciate sometimes how, like how much effort it is. Just even when you're out on a dig and you're trying to sort of record like a, a live dig at that point for the for the videos later on, and just the way you're trying to do your balancing act and the different kit and bits and pieces. But if you're into that kind of thing, it is fun, isn't it, trying to work out the exact right method to do that? And you you got some folks out with drones and things as well, obviously. So it can be almost a, a secondary hobby. See, my, my, my video channel is raw. Uh, it's the way I like doing things. I did try and uh, sort of think about professionalism of setting up two different cameras while I'm doing live digs. But then it all comes down to I'm, I enjoy the hobby, I think, more than the actual editing the video process. And I just want to try and put that forward on my video rather than... Yeah. I know people love watching stuff that's really amazingly edited. and um, But when you're out digging... It, you know, I, I want to try and give that feel of, oh my god, he's just out digging because that's all I'm doing. I don't want to sort of over dramatize and, you know, have drone shots of me digging a ring pool and, you know, big blurred out of a button. It's kind of, <laughs> I find it hard to get my camera in focus. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's it's authentic. It's genuine, isn't it? Because when we go out, I was counting the other day. I purposely saved everything and I put it out on the table. And there were 64 items on that table, of which there were three good things. Two were some buttons and one was an old crusty coin that I couldn't mm. identify yet. And that's the reality, isn't it? And that's why I like your videos because it is authentic and you you can tell and I can hear the excitement in your voice every time you're digging that hole. You're like, oh, it could be silver, it could be silver. And then they're like, oh, it's a ring pull. Never mind. Off you pop onto the next kind yeah. of thing. And that is genuinely metal detected, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I've been caught out many times by glints of gold. And it turns out to be gold foil or a gold ring pull or a gold looking button. Um, the amount of times it catches you out. And it's just, you're almost on the really excited. It could be the decision you really, oh no, it's just a bloody bit of foil. I get that too often. <laughs> Lovely. So you've been detecting for about 10 years. And how and why did you get into detecting? Did you bump into detecting or did detecting find you? How did you get into the hobby? I first started doing YouTube videos around my dog because I loved my dog to bits. He, he was my world. Um, but I was walking my dog down a local beach uh, is where I've actually found a Roman brooch in a rock pool. Oh, I saw that video, yeah. Um, and 
I was just walking my dog down the beach the early in the morning. No one else had been down there. It was that early. It was all after quite a heavy storm. And as a glint of gold, there's only a gold coin actually on the surface of the beach um, with my eyes no. only, walking dog. And I picked it up because it was glinting in the sun. Oh, so I picked it up and thought, oh, that's a coin. That's a bit heavy, that. So I just stuck it in my pocket and I went home trying to do some research. But I don't know if you've seen like gold coins that have been on the beach that get rubbed smooth as anything because of the sand and gold. Like, yeah. Uh, you couldn't get any details off it. I'd even went to a London, this is before mail detecting, before I knew anything about coins, but I even went to a London shop um, who's an antique coin dealer. They said, yes, yeah, a gold coin, but you can't get any details off it whatsoever, but it's just a gold coin. So it, it looked to be milled, uh, very early milled gold coin yeah. description and it wasn't a big one it's about the size of, i'm gonna say about about a quarter guinea so it wasn't a big one but it just the glint of it caught my eye yeah and then i thought i got this much of a buzz to finding a coin with my eyes open and i thought oh, i might as well give myself a metal detector try and increase the odds and then the rest is history i suppose the rest is history and i'm digging up history here yeah amazing gosh on a beach eyes only find a gold coin i mean that is the universe really pointing you in a direction isn't it it's like here you go you can enjoy this i'll set you off on this path generally have since then i have had quite a lot of good eyes only finds um obviously i've had the roman brooches in a rock pool which i actually donated to my local local museum but there is so many eyes only finds of just looking beachcombing and stuff I've just got a, it's mainly round objects my eyes get drawn towards. I don't know why. <laughs> We're attuned to those round shapes, aren't we, as detectorists? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And as well as obviously the history and um, everything else, did, do you enjoy metal detecting um, for sort of mental health and physical health, or is it purely about the history and, and finding those bits and pieces? Um, I first started metal detecting uh, purely as uh, just a fascination and a hobby after about sort of three or four years i found it to be very beneficial towards my mental health um very very beneficial it's something about being outside in the countryside without people around about the hustle and bustle and noises and without you know you just get lost at that place in time in the middle of the countryside without um distractions of flashing blue lights of a car going past or really noise bangs unless the, the farm or the gamekeeper's shooting but <laughs> that's it's just being nice to be out back in the wild really so it almost sort of grounds you a little bit um yeah i've i've, <laughs> I've taken many many medications for my mental health and none of them has worked as well as metal detecting yeah, it really does. And to get away from it all, I totally feel everything you're saying there. Even just to step out and, you know, you're surrounded by that green. Um, my job traditionally is at a desk on Teams calls all day, every day, speaking to hundreds of people. And then the last thing I want to do after work is speak to hundreds of people. So to be able to go out and stand in the middle of a field, which is in the middle of many other fields, and just have that tranquility. And then we see so much as detectorists, don't we, just in terms of wildlife and bits and bobs and planes oh, yeah. and gliders and, you know, things that you would miss ordinarily, wouldn't you, if you were stuck inside the house or something? You just see in general normal life of uh, wild animals, for instance, like, I don't know, a buzzard coming down and picking up a hare or um, occasionally I, I've come across, like, grass snakes and stuff you would don't usually see You and people usually go out looking for mm. it. But because we're out in their environment, we just stumble across that all the time yeah those life experiences that would be missed otherwise yeah 
No, I tell you, I love what you said there about it being very grounding. It does make you sort of come back down to earth and think what's important. It's a very mindful activity, isn't it? I love it. It's, um, it's very therapeutic as well. It's just, I think it's the way you've you got a nice rhythm, swinging, walking, and you just get lost in that rhythm until you, that, your headphones make a little bing, and you know that the, the so, there's a certain sound in those headphones. Mate, stop, investigate this. This is one to dig. <laughs> true story, for about two hours, I think I walked across a, a field with my machine off. I didn't realise for about two hours. I thought, really quiet wow. field. I was just completely away with the fairies then, just uh, <laughs> walking along. The machine wasn't even on. It's crazy. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. You were just so happy just to be out there swinging. <laughs> With our hobby as well, obviously some of us are lucky enough to have our permissions and we can go out and mm. go out on our own. It's good for me. I'm, a, I'm an extroverted introvert, you would call me. So um, I love spending time by myself and being in solitude. But also I can go out and charge for a bit when I'm around other people and meeting other people. So I feel that the, de- the detecting hobby, you've got a real community there. And if you choose to, you can go to all the group digs or you can take friends out or a bunch of friends can go on a sort of shared yeah permission i think that's really important as well especially obviously when when covid hit and everything i just started the hobby then and just started going out and then obviously we couldn't go out even on our own and all that kind of stuff and it had a real impact and i really miss that camaraderie and it's great that you can go out you can talk to lots of people you can talk to no people in the day if you want to but there's always people there full of experiences and knowledge and and you can call them that when you need to i mean i have um very few friends full stop because I've got massive trust issues with people in general. Um, and I have about three to four metal detectorist friends who I can trust on my permissions. I can show them exactly where I found my gold Celtic coins. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm, I do find it difficult when I go to these big rallies and which I've done quite a few of them. I get a bit overwhelmed by all the people because these people know my face. I've never met some of these people before and I get a bit, you know, overwhelmed by it all. And sometimes I have to go and take myself off yeah. either back to my tent just for to get away from it or if there's any woodlands nearby, I'll literally just go for a walk in the woodlands and just sort of almost ground myself again. Um, don't get me wrong, I love uh, these events because it's making the hobby more accessible to a lot of people. In the same respect, it does kind of take away of why I love the hobby, being that busy with so many people around. But it is what it is. It's enjoyable. That's a really good point. I was thinking before we... Before we started this, I thought, I know you. This is exactly what you just said. I know you quite well in your face and your voice. And I was thinking, you don't even know really what I look like. And unless you went on my personal Instagram <laughs> detecting page, yeah, you had no, no clue who you were stepping into the room with today. <laughs> but I'm very grateful you joined me anyway. And I don't have three heads or anything, so you're safe. <laughs> I don't know I do under my hat. <laughs> Actually, when I detect, um, I'm a I'm a natural redhead, so I've always got my hat on because I'll get sunstroke like this. So I'm when I'm out on the field, I I sort of hide under my baseball cap and all the rest of it as well. So I've got my, I've got my sort of Clark Kent in incognito mode. Yeah, my girlfriend's also a natural redhead, and she's been out digging with me today. Is <laughs> this Holly? Hi. <laughs> Tell her congratulations on her silver. I was watching one of your videos earlier doing some research, and I saw that she was getting her silver. See, she's getting fully addicted now. We love it. Get more people into the hobby. Yes, she is. I couldn't get her off that field. I, I wanted, <laughs> my, my back was playing up. Like, we got to go now. Said, no, no. I'm just like, come on. <laughs> you get that buzz. You find that one good find. One more hole. One more hole. Just one more hole. 
we are addicts we're all addicts exactly that <laughs> i got my first detector mm. so it was my 40th birthday and my wife got me a detector because i'd been sort of mulling over it for a while and she'd got me one and it was an amazon jobby yeah. um, but still good Still did the job if you read the instructions. And the house where we lived, there's actually a date on the front of the door. Yeah. It's like 1797. I went out to the garden. First signal was like a old corgi little old truck. I was like, oh, that's cool. I was so excited by that. Next signal was a William yeah. third, I think it was, 1699 um, half penny. And I was just like, oh, my God. At first, because he's got the sort of Roman look on his bust. I thought it was a Roman at first. but even, Yeah, it looked, yeah. looked Roman. But then even after that, doing the research and all the rest of it, I can tell you that second hole, that's when I was completely, this is for me, this is my hobby. I'm completely addicted. It was so much fun after that. Yeah, I, I it's was brilliant. quite blessed. Before I did YouTube, my first ever permission was on the grounds of the Battle of Britain, uh, Officer's Mess. <gasps> It's now turned into a building wow. and they're building houses on it. I haven't got that permission anymore. But my, my very first permission, and I was finding medals, cat badges, rings. It, it was just completely... Wow. I look back at it and think I was really spoiled for a first permission. That was just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now, you see you see people when they're, when they're first starting out and they're struggling because it takes you a long time. And you sort of referred to it earlier when you sort of... You need to get to know your machine and then your machine your machine become one, don't you? You you understand all those different grunts yeah. and groans and you can tell they're impatient to get going and they're pulling up loads of iron on all the rest of it and it's like, no, keep persevering, keep persevering. You see them posting going, There's nothing on my land yeah. and you're like, It's there, I promise you, it's there. Just keep going. You'll find it, you'll get it. Um I, I've used many different uh, metal detectors in my time. I was even sponsored by Not to Macro for a couple of years and I each machine just, they're very different characteristics. Um, and they are very, I don't, I don't know, they're like chalk and cheese. You can get one machine at the same price and another machine at the same price. But one machine would be absolutely rubbish. One machine would be amazing. But then again, it depends on your ear. And if you're that detectorist that looks at the screen, look at the numbers, you're a number digger or an ear digger or just a feeling digger. As, as I said, my first machine was a really cheap one from Maplin because it's what I could afford at the time. It was, I think mm. it cost something like £70 for Maplin's. I, I, thought, I thought, yeah, it was amazing. Then I had a MindLab GoFind 22. I thought, oh, stepping yeah. up there. But that again, I look back at that now, I think that's a kid's story. <laughs> it really was. But I had fun with it. it <laughs> awesome, awesome. So um, I'm in Hampshire. Uh, I believe you're sort of Kentway, aren't you? We won't be too specific, but you're over the Kentway. Um, so what kind of ground conditions have you got there? Um, what ground conditions? Flint. Yes, lots of flint. <laughs> it is 90% uh, of my fields are not beginner-friendly whatsoever, but Holly's persevered. Snap. Saying that, today I took on another field of mine, which is an absolute godsend to Holly. It's There's no flint at all on it. Lovely. It's what I call my Roman field as well. But it is such easy digging. Mm. I love it. But they're very few and far between the good digging fields. So they're usually heavy flint. Yeah. But I do notice with a heavy flint, the fines don't seem to be that deep. I don't know if the fines sit on top of the flint so they don't sink down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had Saxon coins literally a couple of inches mm. down. And I've had a Coke can about a foot and a half down. It's kind of, <laughs> ow. 
<laughs> no rhyme or reason. Yeah, it's the same here in Hampshire. And it's that way when you when you stamp on your spade and it hits the flint and it twists and you nearly break your wrist or you hurt your back and you have to go steady. Mm-hmm. There's a few around me. I've got a few um, pasture permissions and they're a bit better. Um, but you're right. No rhyme or reason. I think the, the deepest round here is about the size of a pinpointer and a bit and that was one of my um first bronze coins it was a Domitian uh 85 to 89 but that must have taken me about 45 minutes to get that far down because of all the flint because it's not little flint either around by me it's those big old bits so you have yeah, to you get the big tongue which you exactly. got to dig around to actually get exactly yeah. exactly yeah. so exactly like it yes yeah, so it's a baptism of fire for both of us then we'd go up to somewhere like uh cheshire or something and we'd be like yes because it's <laughs> lovely up there isn't it or down in devon my parents live down in devon so there's a few friends of theirs that have got paddocks and stuff that let me have a go and it's it's just like a hot knife through butter when you put your spade in i use so much force i need to go through the floor because i'm used to what it's like here i've got permissions up in swindon um uh, which is completely different ground conditions they're there it's still rocky but it's a uh, cotswold stone rock and it is sheets of it under the ground um mm. but i prefer that because cotswold stone is quite soft compared to flint so you can even break through it with your spade I mean, I've been digging in uh, Holland. That was really sandy. It was like digging on a beach in the fields. Mm-hmm. Been digging in Germany, digging in Wales, digging in Cambridge, digging in Norfolk, uh, um, Gloucestershire, Wiltshire. What's your your detecting gear right now? You're on the, you're rocking the Deus Two, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before that, you had Equinox Eight Hundred. There, I had the Legend, uh, Simplex. Amphibio, uh, Cruiser, uh, Razor 2. <laughs> I'm sure I've missed a couple out. But yeah, I've had a lot of machines. What's your opinion on those machines? Um, as the technology grows, do you think there's going to be like a, a peak? Well, then we just kind of tamper off? Yeah. I think we are pretty much at that peak now mm. because... You look at these really expensive uh, machines coming out and saying, oh, they go X amount as deep. But you can take an older machine from 10 years ago, you can still hear the signal. Mm-hmm. The newer machines just clear the signals up a little bit. Yeah. The only thing that can change, really, is the way the metal detectors read the signals. My age, I don't think I'd be able to get down further than a foot and a half anyway. I'd collapse in a heap before I got down there. But that knowing exactly what you're digging, I mean, some of the iron tones, I've got an XP ORX. Um, I love that one because it's nice and light um, with all my various different old age uh, injuries. So that's really nice to swing that around. And on that, you've got your defined tones. And then, But then on certain machines like the one you've got now, when you set up your own programs and the Equinox before, you you can set up your own tones, can't you? You're up to something like 50-odd tones if you want to, can't you? I love my Deus 2, my favourite machine so far to use, um, just for its customizable uh, of everything you want on it. You can go into that machine and tweak it to exactly how you want it as a detectorist. I mean, if you put... 20 Deus 2 users all next to each other and I guarantee not a single one of them have got the same unless they're just one of these copy and paste detectorists or oh, what's your favourite settings and just leave that but if you're a true detectorist you, you change your settings for the land you're on to get the most out of your machine 
that's why I love about days too. I mean, today I must have messed around because I've been doing my other fields, really, really flinty fields, and I've changed it to my Roman field, but it has no flint. I like to play around my settings just to get the best out of it, to get the best depth. Yep, depth, things like electric fences and pylons and all the rest of it. You have to, whatever field, absolutely, you've got to tweak it, haven't you? And that's half the fun, isn't it, learning all that stuff. You can't just whack it in the sort of starter mode and expect to get good results every time. No, that's good. So you're, you're loving the Deus 2 then. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about getting a second machine and it's just which way do you jump? It's always fun, isn't it? Which way do you go? I do like trying out the weight of things when I go on digs with other people. Oh, yeah. You can't beat Deus for weight. It's the lightest mm. machine I've ever used. And just like the, the RX, I don't think there's much weight difference at all. I think you'll be all right with the Deus 2. It's quite a lot of money for a bit of kit, but like all Deus users... You've noticed uh, most Deus users stick to Deus for a reason. Is it because they got five years warranty and, and the company really cares about the customers? Or is it the the lightweight and the success you get with the Deus? I don't know. It's I, I slowly learned why they all the people I know have had Deus is stuck to Deus and not gone out for these new fancy horse powered machines that drain batteries in half a day, <laughs> you know. I love my Deus too. My best, my favourite machine before that was actually the Noctomac Amphibio, and then it would be my Equinox 800. So yeah, that's my top three machines I've used. Top three, you've heard it right here. I like that. Excuse the quick interruption. I'm just letting you know that to help keep the podcast running, we have set up a Patreon. Pop over to patreon.com forward slash detecting history podcast where you can see we have four very affordable monthly membership tiers available to help cover our running costs. You can select either the copper, bronze, silver or gold tiers that will give you access to things such as ad-free episodes, Patreon exclusive extra weekly episodes, merch discount codes and even a tier where you can get sent a free gift as a thank you. So please head over to patreon.com forward slash detecting history podcast. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. So moving on then, um, I was watching a video of yours the other day. So we're going to talk best finds now. My my top, I get, I can give you my top five finds in my head straight off. Um, have some Bronze Age Acred. That was about a foot down, last signal before the car um, on really flinty land. And it sounded like a bit like a coke can, but I just had to dig it. And I was testing out a tiny coil as well uh, for not some acro when I dug that up. And it was one of the smaller sniper coils. And I thought, sounds like a tin can. And it kept going and it bronze age act head. Um, wow. Saxon coin, the one I stuck my spade through. Uh, really gutted about that. I've only dug two Saxon silver pennies, and one of them was really battered through the flint and the ploughing, and this one was a mint condition until this idiot puts his spade for it. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I found six gold Celtic staters now. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure I'm due. I should be due another one soon. I just don't. I can't find it anywhere. It's waiting out there for It's waiting for me. I've not had gold yet. You'll know when I've had gold. I'll be dancing. I said I'd shave my beard when I found gold. And I found a gold ring on the beach. Um, but to me, that's cheating gold. That's ring. That's beach gold. I want proper old gold. Then I'll shave it. One of my. It sounds silly. It's not a precious thing. It's not even that old. It's a military cat badge. But because I'm ex-forces, this military cat badge actually comes from my old regiment when they were the heavy machine gun corps. Um, and I was a Royal Tank Regiment, and they slowly went from the heavy machine gun corps to the Royal Tank Regiment. So, yeah, I knew what, 
what it was when it came out of the ground. I've, it was all mangled up, and it, as I was taking the mod off it, I recognised the machine. I was like, oh, wow. That's still one of my favourite finds. I know, just because it's sentimental to me. I do like my Silver Roman with the goat sacrifice on the back as well. That's definitely up there. It's a Republican Roman, but a, on the back of it, there was a goat sacrifice happening. I was, because of the picture of the goat, is what I first saw. I thought it was Celtic because they're a very similar sort. Of, I thought it was a Celtic horse. Was, <laughs> yes. But no, that's definitely Roman. And it was just really strange how I found it. I love it when you find something and you, you you don't quite know what it is and you have to do that bit of research, don't you? Like you say, because you're like, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it silver? Do the silver test? No, it's not silver. And just that little bit of research afterwards, that's half the fun. The cleanup time. Lucky enough, I've got quite a catalogue of experts I can send pictures to and they come back to me like that. But I do the same to them because yes. some, some detectors are experts in Roman coins. I don't get that many, so I'm not an expert in Roman coins. But another things like Celtic, I'm quite clued up on because I'm in quite a Celtic area. But the Romans aren't so much. The Muhammad coins I'm quite good at because I get quite a few of them. But um, yeah, there's a few people I bounce off and they bounce off me when they get stuff. So we sort of all communicate on WhatsApp. So we walking around encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, between all of you, with that knowledge you've got, I bet anyone can yeah. identify most things. I've got all my little posters mm. behind me of the different... I didn't uh, see in the back. Is that the Roman head poster? Yeah, the Roman head poster. Behind you. And then yeah. you've got Kings and Queens of England. Up there you can't see, but that is a massive poster of the cat badges. All the cat badges. There oh, you yeah. Go. That cat badge one was actually when I did basic training. That was hanging in the halls of my basic training. <laughs> That's the exact poster. Oh, yeah. I recognise that one. Well, if you go to a well-known online retailer, uh, they're there quite quite cheaply. And it's handy just to have around because you can just quickly go, oh, there you go. And it's little things sometimes. I was trying to identify a coin the other day and it was a bit crusty and I was like, oh, what is it? And it felt Georgian. I couldn't quite tell. I could just see a bit of the bust. I could see, okay, they're facing that direction. And then I could see the ear. So then I was like, ah, it's George Fourth. And that was the way because when you look at all the busts, no one else has got their ear out. So I was like, there you go. That's the way you identify. But you, sometimes you just need that bit of luck, don't you, and that one little identifiable feature from something. Well, that was like a coin I had up uh, yesterday, which I'll be editing in my latest video, which you haven't seen yet. I pulled up a coin, and by the look of the patina of it, I thought, oh, it's definitely, that's definitely um, a Victoria. It's Victoria. I did one little wipe, and I saw it had like a beaded legend. I thought, no, it is, and that's Napoleon. Napoleon III. And that's even just from that little beading from the edge. Napoleon III. Has an eagle on one side and Napoleon's um, bust on the other. But yeah, just in that one thing, because I've dug them up in the past, you remember what you dug up. Mm. It's sort of characteristics of certain coins. Yeah, that's what that is. Even mm. without seeing the whole coin. This. Yeah. So when you find something, what do you start thinking about when you first see something? Something like that. I mean, what was that coin doing there? Yeah. Well, the, like Holly Silver coin, that German coin in the middle of Ken. What's it? From the 1700s, it's like 1751. Bonkers. You know, when I find that, I'm always like... Uh, who dropped that? Where were they going? Yeah, who dropped it? Where were they going? What did it mean to them? How much shopping would that bought them? <laughs> would that have been their, their bread and their beer yeah. for the week? You know, what was the consequence of their, them losing it? You know, it's all those kind of questions, isn't it? Use the Big Mac index. <laughs> would that have bought them a big mat back in the day <laughs> exactly exactly what was that worth yeah it's always fun isn't it and that, that's i love that being that the first person to touch it in five hundred thousand years whatever it is it's just like oh, 
it's just that feeling again, isn't it? If we could bottle that feeling, Grim, and sell it, we would be gazillionaires. Mm. similar but different question what's the weirdest or oddest item you've ever found apart from the annoying mu tubes and those kind of things (laughs) (laughs) two things spring to mind what's the age rating on on the on the podcast (laughs) explicit you can say what you want Oh, yeah, a lady's toy oh really with batteries included in the middle of the field yeah that was one And seriously, there was no houses. There was nothing nearby. It's just a strange lady's toy with the bat. The battery's been there a while. The batteries had leaked a little yeah. bit. And also, there was a um, GoPro camera in case um, as detecting heavily ploughed fields, and it had a SIM card. The, I didn't actually find it, but the guy I was, I was with um, found it. There's a SIM card yeah. in the back, so we went back and checked it, and this, it came off a plane from Belgium, and you actually see going down the runway. With all these Belgian number plates, and then ends up in a field in Kent. It's kind of like... no way. <laughs> wow, that's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good job it fell before and didn't come down and clout one of you on the head. That wouldn't have been nice. Yeah, well, we've done some damage. So, reflecting back on all your favourite finds, then, what is your favourite history era? Do you think? What's the thing that you? I think you've kind of almost said it already. But what's your favourite? Is it Romans? Is it Celtics? What's the favourite? My favourite area, because I don't get much of it, and I love it, it really blows my mind when I do, is Saxon. It's just Saxon era. It's just I don't know why Saxons must have had really good pockets, because not a lot. Well, I know they didn't have pockets, but they must have had really good mm. po- uh, coin purses yeah. and stuff. You don't find many around. No, you don't find the medieval um, like Edward Penny's uh, ten for a pound. And even the Tudors is 10 for a pound, but the Saxons, mm. you don't really get a lot of. I've had the least amount of Saxon coins. As I said, I've only had two Saxon silver pennies. I've had more Celtic gold than I've had Saxon silver. I mean, that should say something. And sometimes it can be down to the area you live, but you're right. There's, there's not a lot, is there? You don't see people finding a lot of it. So, again, what happened? So it's a mystery we need to unravel. Maybe someone will find a big hoard with the... Lots of answers for us one day. Maybe it'll be you. <laughs> Hopefully. I haven't found a hoard yet. A friend of mine who's been detecting less than a year has found, um, was it, two Roman hordes on a field bordering my permission. No. I was like, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. my goodness you got to go line of sight when it goes yeah. into your permission. You need to go all along there. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've tried. There's nothing. But yeah, he found two pots of silver Roman coins, which are actually now in the British Museum. How do you cope with dry spells? We all go through our dry spells, don't we? We go out and all we find is trash and you kind of lose your mojo and you think, uh-oh, what do you do when you're going through a dry spell? Just, yeah, perseverance pays off. It always does. I mean, especially metal detecting. I've never known perseverance not paying off. I mean, I've had rubbish fields, which I've done nothing but modern junk on. And I've persevered on there, especially when you take away all the bits of rubbish you dig up. You're slowly then filtering the land. So you're not digging up the whole modern stuff, which is laying on top, and then you're getting through to the bottom stuff, which will be the nicer stuff or the older stuff. Um, so yes, perseverance pays off. Mm-hmm. And I reckon every bit of land, even people's back gardens, going to have ancient stuff in. You just need to dig. <laughs> yeah, it's there, isn't it? And it and it's all like we were saying earlier with the the type of soil you've got, and even like the weather. We all know that after a nice bit of rain, signals yeah. are going to come through stronger. And then you're going to find more, aren't you? And again, getting to know your machine, working out what setting you need to have. Oh. Fields never done, as they say, and it's really true. Oh, yeah. 
even the time of day has an effect on the machines, as I've noticed. In the mornings, where the mildew and the, the wet soils are still there, come sort of lunchtime when the heat's hitting the floor and it, you feel it drying up, mm -hmm. and the signals get less. You, you just know, you can just hear it. Yeah, I'm glad you so, said yeah, that. Even down to time of day. I've wondered that myself, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's always nice to sneak out, especially this time of year. Um, I love getting out early when you get, you know, the dawn mm. and the animals and everything else. But it's cooler, isn't it? And like you say, the dew and everything, it's just easier digging conditions than yeah. the other end of the day. Have you had any issues while out detecting? So I'm talking along the lines of you've been told a pasture field with horses is safe and it's turned out not to be so or cows or farmers or come across nighthawks or people encroaching on your permissions what kind of things have you had in the past i've had nighthawkers on my land in your daylight which i've gone to sort of have a word with them and they scarpered off mm. i've dug up some live ordnance in the woods <laughs> so i rang the farmers to let them know one of my friends got permission with a horse that just follows you around and it's only a little shetland pony and it'll go for your finds bag where you're kneeling down, sort of munching. Like, Get out of it. But that's... <laughs> Looking for the treats. Yeah. But other than that, no, no nothing. <laughs> no, that's good to hear. I've only had, again, a horse, uh, two horses actually, and they were very friendly. But as I'm swinging away, I think they would thought I was trying to swat away something or whatever, and they were like trying to trample on the detector. So I was like, you know what? I won't go in this field today. I'm just going in the next field. It's just about making sensible decisions, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Never trust, never trust cows. Whatever you do, don't trust the cows. What are your top detecting tips in terms of resources? Hopefully a lot of people know about the NLS. So National Library of Scotland, you can go on there and you can look at the old maps. So you can uh, let it hone in on your side-by-side -side maps. position. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can use that all the time and LIDAR, that kind of thing. What tips have you got for what you use in your everyday detecting? Um... I suggest people take their face away from the screen of the detector and dig by ear, for starters. That's definitely an increase in finds rate because you get put off by numbers when they're jumpy. Oh, it's a bit of a jumpy number. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to leave it. You get surprised. It could, it could be a hammered coin next to an iron nail, you know, but you can hear you can hear it. Oh, it's got a little bit of an iron grunt yeah. to it, but it's definitely a nice signal you dig it. Um, as for finding finds rates... Usually old footpaths is um, a good one for coins uh, and drops. As for finding the ancient relics, and I have found them in the middle of nowhere where there's no uh, even remnants of any habitation before. So I think that is a, literally just a luck thing if you want to find. Unless obviously you know it's a, an old Roman villa or something, villa site or whatever. As for actually... Finding stuff online, yeah, you, I think you hit them there on the head with them side-by-side -side maps because <clears throat> you can use LiDAR, you also go back and actually see the old footpaths that may not even be there now, so yeah. Yeah, I was using it the other day and there was this footpath and um, I went on, I didn't realise I could do the live GPS on it where I am here and then I could see I was probably about 10 foot away from where it was saying the footpath is and you've got to go, mm, how accurate was that map? But when I put myself mm. back on the line went along started finding coins so it was that accurate it was really good really helpful actually to use that on my phone also got to remember from old footpaths and don't just stay on the footpath go i don't know three or four meters one side three or four meters the other side because plows push stuff through time and they get dispersed a bit more cool 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 um right do you have any other hobbies that you uh enjoy or might recommend to people 
Not really so much any other hobbies. I like skateboarding. <laughs> when it doesn't attack you and your arm. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that for 25 years. Is that skateboard or longboard? Uh, skateboard. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm getting a bit fat and old for it now, but I still enjoy it occasionally. Just take myself out. I just enjoy being out in nature, yeah. even if it's just going for walks and stuff, really. Bucket lister. So I'm going to ask you what bucket lister you're still after, as well as asking you the same one item to add to the Detecting History podcast ultimate bucket lister list that we're going to put up online. Your bucket lister you've not yet found that you're dying to find. I'll say gold Saxon coin. Gold Saxon coin. That's a bucket lister. Nice choice. I think that's going to be on most yeah. people's list. I love that. Probably won't ever find one because they're that rare. But you never know. You can never say never. You've put it out there now. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to come to you. <laughs> and what item, so now you can think of anything, it'll be a bucket list that you think should be on our ultimate bucket list or list. What item would you like to place on? And You're going to be the first person to add an item on our bucket list or list. Bucket list or list. Gold Roman. There you go. The gold Roman coin. Hey. Julius Caesar, Gold Roman. <laughs> wow. Gosh, I think I passed out if I found one of those. Excellent. Thank you, Grim. Well, it's so nice to get to know you properly. And um, yeah, ever fancy no a dig in Hampshire? Let me know. I might take you off that offer. There you go, everybody. That was the Grim Bleeper. You can find Grim on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram under the Grim Bleeper. Um, and a massive thank you to him and, of course, Holly, who made a guest appearance there. Holly, his girlfriend, who's just starting out in detecting and already making some fantastic finds. So make sure you keep up to date with uh, Grimm's socials to see how he's getting on and how Holly's getting on too. Now for the news. Okay, so first item of news on the agenda, and this news broke last week, where British Museum sacked a staff member after items vanished from their collection. Um, Looking through on The Guardian, there's an article by Harriet Sherwood, who's the arts and culture correspondent. Um, The British Museum have let us all know that treasures, including jewellery and gems kept in a storeroom, were found to be missing, stolen or damaged. Um, British Museum have brought in emergency measures to increase security after the items were found to be missing. And this is now being investigated by uh, the Economic Crime Command of the Metropolitan Police. And the British Museum have also launched an independent inquiry uh, to review and take recommendations as to how they might increase security. This is obviously quite an urgent situation. Things just walking out the door. Um, British Museum say that they are doing all they can to recover the missing items. Reportedly up to 2,000 items could be missing. Um, Reports that some of the items might have ended up on eBay. So it's really terribly sad. And uh, we hope they can recover as many items as possible. But whether that's doable or not, I'm not sure. This isn't the first time items have been lost or stolen. Coins, medals, statues and even a Cartier ring worth £750,000 went missing in 2017. So I think we're all looking forward to uh, hearing the result of that review and hoping that somebody is being brought to account for what's happened there. 
Okay, so moving across to some good news now. So Abby Whitewick, the reporter for the Wales Online, has reported that the first hoard of Iron Age gold coins to be discovered in Wales have been declared as treasure. Of course they have. Three metal detectorists found the gold status in Langoid on Anglesey. Apologies if the pronunciation is a bit off there. Um, the detectorists were Peter Copton, Lloyd Roberts and Tim Watson. What a day, lads. Congratulations. Uh, the coins were struck between 60 BC and 20 BC and are attributed to the Coriltuvi tribe. Wow. Try that again. Coriltuvi tribe who inhabited modern area of East Midlands during the Iron Age. Fantastic. So the final bit of news is more of a reminder, really. Uh, The Treasure Act uh, has had some changes to it. So on the 30th of March 2023, proposed changes to the Treasure Act was passed by Parliament and will become law on the 30th of July 2023. So that's gone past now. Um, If you head over to the National Council for Metal Detecting website, so it's ncmd.co.uk, go to their new section and you'll see where they're reporting how there's a new class of treasure called significant to add to the existing law. And they're going to be bringing some more news and articles uh, just to provide further guidance on that in the coming weeks. So head over to the ncmd.co.uk website, head over to the news section and you'll see that article there. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please do us a favour and rate us five stars. This will really help towards keeping the podcast going. Remember, you can find us on all the socials under our profile name of Detecting History Podcast. Give us a follow, send us a message. And if you find anything odd, fun or amazing, let us know and we'll share it on a podcast in the future. If you don't do social media, our email is detectinghistorypodcast at gmail.com. And if you want more content, we have a Patreon. Head over there for ad-free episodes, exclusive extra content and more. Finally, if you'd like some merch or some other metal detecting themed items, go to our Etsy store. Alternatively, all the links are below. Until next time, bye!